1: Welcome, welcome to another episode of Vacation Rental Success. And I'm sitting here again, looking out of my window onto a beautiful summer's day. Uh, I actually went out for a three-mile run this morning and came back and then uh, fell into the river and spent half an hour swimming. What a great start to the day. And you know, I was up at 4.30 this morning. I actually... Um, I mean, today we have another um, mashup with my friend and, and amazing vacation rental marketing expert, Matt Landau, and I actually emailed Matt at um, 4.30 this morning because I woke up and I thought, I need to talk to Matt. I need to talk to Matt today and we need to get a recording done because there's, there's, there's tons of stuff going on out there in our industry and I wanted to get Matt's take on it and as ever... He's so quick to jump in with some really, really good commentary on what's going on. So without further ado, let's just head on over and listen to the conversation I had with Matt. Once again, glad to have Matt Landau with me and um, we're just going to generally chat about what's going on in our respective parts of the world and what's going on in in Matt's inner circle because some really good stuff. You know, if you're not there in the inner circle, I think perhaps you should think about joining. But uh, but that's entirely up to you. Good morning Matt. How are you doing?
0: Thanks for that lovely plug for the for my inner circle. That was <laughs> <laughs> more than I could have ever asked for.
1: Well, you know, I spend a lot of time in there, uh, as you know. Actually really interesting this morning i was i was in there there's a there's a thread about um you know calling all canadians and i'd sort of gone in there and said yeah i'm here here i am in ontario and um somebody else on the inner circle came back and said you know he's from toronto and he has place in florida and he also has a has a place in northern ontario or a little bit north of toronto And it just worked out this morning that, um, that his place, I've been past it. I, it it was so close to where I used to have my own, one of my own properties, you know, probably within about a couple of miles. So,
0: (laughs) and I'm actually, um, I'm working on some upgrades that will allow us to visually see where other owners and members in the group, um, are located, not only where they're based, but also where their properties are based. So, that should provide for more of those types of chance encounters. And actually, I posted something this morning. I came across a, a quote by Margaret Mead, which I thought nicely kind of summarized what we have going on there. It was that, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So that was my little inspiration for this morning. <laughs>
1: I, I love it, and I, I know that quote. And God knows where. I must it must have been... I must have come across it. I never did anthropology, but must have come across it doing some sort of social psychology. And I remember that quote. So very, it's powerful.
0: It is powerful. And and really, um, I've been thinking a lot about sort of team learning these days and how, um, when, when groups of individuals are together and they're discussing things, uh, with a high quality of engagement about that discussion, um, we begin to get like this kind of insight into not only our own businesses, but the, the greater industry as a whole. Uh, and no one can generate that kind of thinking alone. I think there's tremendous power in these sorts of conversations and groups and it's very exciting.
1: Well, I think so many um, owners, not not necessarily, you know, agency owners, but so many independent owners operate almost in a vacuum and perhaps don't talk to each other uh, see, seeing, seeing each other as competitors. And it's not in, until you get into this sort of dialogue that you realize that we're all in this together and we can learn so much stuff from each other and just take everything up a notch in doing so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of discovering that myself.
1: <laughs> so what's, what's happening in your world this week?
0: Uh, My world this week, I am heading out to the beach on a little two-day vacation. It's funny to say this, but living in Panama in the tropics, I actually, for me, vacation (laughs) is very hard to come by. So I have to very concretely separate several days from my busy schedule and take some time off and think and read and write and do all the things that people like to do on vacation. Um, just because it's not as easy as just simply living here once I have my schedule begins filling up and I've got all these different things to do. um, For me, unplugging and and taking some time to myself is is incredibly important. So I'm luckily going to take a couple days off towards the end of the week. I'm also putting together um, a workshop for about two weeks from now, which is going to be revealing the data that we've gleaned from um, some research I've been doing with a team from MIT over the last sort of six months. So that's very exciting. We had the opportunity to link up with a large handful of owners and managers in the inner circle, as well as just blog subscribers in general, uh, who then shared with all of their former guests um, a very thoughtfully uh, created survey by uh, this young gal, Rachel, who's been working on this with me. And the kind of information that we found, um, I feel like the big listing sites own this, inf- this data, this insight already, but it's never really been available to independent owners and managers who want to be able to uh, learn a little bit more about how travelers book vacation rentals and how they're um, searching for vacation rentals and how one property stands out from another. Um, so I'm hoping that in sharing this information freely, um, making everything that we do open source, uh, the general uh, vacation rental community can be a little bit more informed, a little more educated, and ultimately, you know, generate more bookings for themselves.
1: That sounds intriguing because I know there's um, the there's, there's stuff that goes on in the uh, rental management um, world where this sort of information is is collected and disseminated but it's uh, you know it's definitely not open source um there's there's money changing hands to get hold of this information and and so yeah that that's 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 exciting i shall be looking forward to that workshop coming up and make sure And what about you
0: what are you doing this week
1: what about me uh this is the busiest week of our year um, the first week of August. We've got a ton of things. Um, we've got a ton of people in properties. Um, we're having some issues in properties at the moment with um, uh, with internet overage. And it was interesting just before we started the recording, Matt, when we were just talking about what we were going to talk about, and, and I mentioned this, and, and you sort of said, well, I'd not really heard of... Limited internet access. So, what happens here? Because we have so many rural properties, and most of them, or many of them, have uh, internet access. They have Wi-Fi. Well, it's, we can't call it Wi-Fi because it's it's not. I suppose it is Wi-Fi to a certain extent, but it's satellite connection, and there is very limited bandwidth. So, like my own properties, I have satellite dishes on the roof of both, and that uh, you know connects to um you know i 'm not technically minded so it connects to an internet system and we have a limit of three gigs per week that people can use now three gigs is a, is not a lot you can't download uh, and watch HD movies um, it well you could but you could only perhaps watch one and a half in your three gigs um, you can 't watch Netflix or you could but you'd probably only get through a couple of episodes of Friends before you're running out of your three gigs of um, of bandwidth. So we've had a few instances over the past few weeks, and this is the first time it's happened. Uh, it's the first year that we've experienced this where... People are coming out of the city, they're ignoring all the warnings we say about, you know, you have limited internet access, and they're really going to town on downloading, streaming, whatever they're doing with the internet. And we've had um, some overages. One of them's just racked up to $1,300 in a week of use. Um so that's, <laughs> that's one of the things that we're dealing with this week is we're, we're sending out and one of our owners, in fact, and this, you know, once again, we're talking about the power of collective thought. We, we do ask our owners about, you know, well, what's, what do you suggest uh, in, in many different um, areas, many different topics? But on this particular one, one of our owners says that she has an envelope that she leaves uh, on her kitchen table that has a piece of paper inside it with the internet password and on the front it says if you open this envelope you are agreeing
0: to <laughs> I like whatever is about the come
1: <laughs> yeah if you open this envelope you are agreeing to the limit on on the on, on on the access for internet at at our cottage and she actually lists what you can do you know one movie is so many gigs Netflix is so many gigs. These are the average usages. And, she, and then she says, it's perfectly okay for light surfing and email use. And I think that is absolutely wonderful. So we're disseminating that out to all our owners today saying, this is, this is what you should do because it's okay putting something in a guide, in a, in a welcome book, but we know that people tend not to read them. Or if they do, they just skim. So you've right. got to make it that if they're going to take an action by doing that action, they are agreeing to these terms. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: that does make sense. And the the good news I have to think is that you know, 15 years ago, if we had, um, if I had told you that you'd have a satellite beaming uh, internet to the middle of nowhere where these cottages are, you'd be pretty excited. But the fact that you're limited to certain bandwidth right now, I think, is really just a matter of time. That's the good news in that ultimately those bandwidths will increase and become less expensive and probably in some year in the future there will not even be a limit. Um, But it strikes me as similar to the challenge that owners who have properties um, in destinations where water shortages take place, Mm -hmm. it strikes me as a similar... Uh, challenge to articulate that. It's not that we are cheap owners and that we don't want you to have a high-speed internet. It's just that due to natural (laughs) circumstances, we can't offer this luxury as you might expect in a city. And unfortunately, so many travelers these days are expecting um, those kind of high-speed services, no matter where they travel, Um, But to me, it boils down to, in the end, the ability to be very upfront about that. And frankly, if the fact that not having access to a thousand TV shows on Netflix might impact your decision to stay at my vacation rental, um, you might want to stay somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And and we we firmly believe that you shouldn't need a bunch of Netflix movies here because you have the great outdoors and we've got a bunch of board games and that's the point of the vacation. But... If that's extremely important to you, and this might go back to one of these techniques that I've seen featured very well, uh, writing a blog post on the the nine reasons my destination might not be right for you. Mm -hmm. One of those reasons, number one, may very well be uh, we don't have unlimited high-speed Wi-Fi. And In the end, if you're communicating that clearly to a guest before they arrive and they know precisely what they're getting into, you're going to have much less uh, miscommunications compared to when they arrive and say, "Hey, where's our high-speed Netflix movies?" You know.
1: Yeah, and you know, it it just it just goes to the to the, to the change in technology that's going so rapidly. I mean, it's only two years ago that we we probably had five percent of our properties had internet access, and now maybe eighty-five percent of them do. So that's um, rapid. And then we. And in one of those properties with no internet, we had a guest last week call us and say, what's the Wi-Fi password? And we said, there is no Wi-Fi at that location. And she, and, and you know, it was not listed on the listing. It didn't show that it had Wi-Fi. But now we're looking at, do we have to say where a property does not have a facility rather than I when it does?
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, would, and we, I, we, but- we, we're moving to that. We, we've We've decided that we have to say this property... You know, you are unplugged when you go because this lady said she was, she was very distressed and she said, Wi-Fi to me is as important as water.
0: And in that sense, if she shows up and there's no Wi-Fi, she's not going to have a good experience. Yeah. For that reason, we just need to be upfront and as accurate in describing our properties as possible so to avoid that one strange lady who, when she comes to the middle of nowhere, wants her high speed Wi Fi like she wants her water, and then goes home uh, because you didn't have it and writes a, a mm-hmm. negative review.
1: Yeah, yeah. Times are changing, Times and are changing. you know, I, I, I've always said that you know, being up here in Canada, is, you know, where, where the rest of the world is is in two thousand fifteen, Canada's still in nineteen fifty five. Hey, that was a great year. <laughs> I think it was a great year. Yes, <laughs> was the year of my birth.
0: <laughs> well, I live in I live in the third world, so sometimes I feel like we're stuck in 1955 as well.
1: Well, I think that must be wonderful. But anyway, you know, we're, we're, but we are catching up, and and sometimes the speed of catching up is, is, is goes a little too fast for us. Um, so so yeah, so that's that's what's happening um, to to um, in in my world this week. Um, we I I was looking at a couple of things on the inner circle. Um, Recently, and there was one thing that struck me that um, a member had talked about home away using a new call center service. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to just elaborate on that one?
0: Yeah, that was um, uh, that's been an extremely busy thread. Um, To give those who are not aware of this um, an a little bit of a summary. Basically, uh, an individual, I don't give away any names, um, was shocked to find out recently that uh, the listing site in question was routing all phone call inquiries away from his actual agency. In other words, uh, he used to receive the phone call directly from a client who saw his property online, uh, and instead route them to their own call center, which was based in Jamaica which is not a terribly um, unusual tactic in itself, Um, but what was unusual in this particular manager's eyes was the way that the shift um, was implemented by the company. And he said, basically, if you have a a Book It Now button turned on, your property is probably included in this change. Um, The real issue occurred when uh, a traveler called him and said uh, that she was charged for uh, a stay that did not take place. And when he looked up this traveler in his emails and in his database, he didn't find a thing. And it turned out that the traveler had spoken directly with... a representative at this call center who unbeknownst to the manager was kind of representing the property and attempting to, you know, do their best at, you know, conveying all the details, et cetera. Um, but in the end it was a bit of a debacle and the guest had been charged and the owner, or the manager was kind of forced to do a bunch of digging and revealed a big long bullet list of items that kind of was, A little bit frustrating for him, let's say. And there was a lot of very, very quick and um, intense feedback, not only about um, the decision to route individual properties uh, inquiries to a call center, but also the way in which the decision was implemented. And my take on the whole thing is, first and foremost, I tend to not get passionately involved one way or another with these kinds of listing site decisions just because I personally don't, it doesn't affect me at all. I don't really use the listing sites. Um, But perhaps more importantly, as a kind of an onlooker, as an unbiased person in the industry, I have to think to myself that HomeAway, uh, when making these sorts of changes is, is, tr- is walking a very fine line. And the way that they're implementing their changes, whatever changes they decide to do, whether it's a book it now button or rerouting uh, phone calls to a call center, needs to be done with um, white gloves just because um, the owners and managers that are using the service are, <laughs> let's say like um, the fires can arise very easily. Um, so for that reason, I was very surprised to hear that HomeAway had done this without notifying this particular manager. Um, As you'll have read through the thread, there's a lot more details to it that make things um, (laughs) maybe less clear. Um, But we have a couple of individuals who are actually calling the number themselves, uh, calling to book their property, um, sort of just as a secret shopper to hear what is happening in, in one particular case when and an Inner Circle member called. She got a message saying, all circuits are busy. Please try again. <laughs> so this is a big um, sort of puzzle. And I think everyone right now is trying to kind of figure it out.
1: Yeah, there were, there were a couple of things know, as, as an agency. We, we, we are not, we, we don't advertise with, with them. So, you know, a bit like you, I'm sort of sitting on the sidelines and, and, and watching this. Um, but there were a couple of things that I found really Concerning whereby a third party in a call center, and I can see what they're doing. They're trying, you know, they're trying to assist the process by selling um, a period of time in a property, which you know, in essence, is, is not that bad a thing to be doing. But if they,
0: del- it could be it could be perceived as a great thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, but if they're delivering information that is going to impact the traveler when they, because it's incorrect. So when they get to the property, it's not what they've expected. Or, you know, we're going back to that old thing, that snad thing, significantly not as described. Then the repercussions ca- are coming back onto the owner or the agency. And, and that's where I, I would be very, very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. It's, um, it's again, it's, it's, tricky waters to navigate just because it, there are these decisions that to me like as if I was the CEO of HomeAway make like seem like smart smart decisions to make um but the way that they're being they're being implemented um I think is just kind of making <laughs> users a little bit more frustrated and we all know that that was already um an issue beforehand mm-hmm. so I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll see how this one plays out.
1: We will indeed. We will indeed. The other, the other one I wanted to 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 look at or ask you about was your most recent post. Um, on it's titled "Why aren't Why aren't more Airbnb hosts doing this?" And and I've it, it, that that was just so interesting because when I think about people who advertise on Airbnb, that's what they do. They that's they they just list. That's what they're told. Just list on Airbnb and that'll do it. That, that's all you need to do. But this is one um, person who is taking it to, a, to really the next level, right?
0: Yeah, she's awesome. This woman, her name's C- her name's Cece, and she's based in uh, Cape Town, South Africa. And I first, uh, she emailed me first uh, with a couple questions, questions. Um, and, and one of the questions was about her new website. And I took a look at it. I was like, whoa website is amazing and you're brand new to Airbnb and you've already built this gorgeous website and you're already beginning to blog. And I was just like, wow, that sounds like a great story. Would you be um, interested in me sharing this story? And she said, absolutely. So the post for those who haven't read it yet is basically um, asking the hypothetical question. Uh, first and foremost, what happens to your favorite listing site? If, what happens to you if your favorite listing site disappears tomorrow? And it's a, a, a sheerly hypothetical question, but it gets you to start thinking, what are my other options? What are my other, the other legs of my marketing portfolio table that I can then rely on? Um, the examples that Cece gave as to a reasons why she chose to go ahead and build her own little piece of internet real estate was that first and foremost, she didn't feel like she was able to convey her personality or what really makes her unique enough on her VRBO listing. Um, she wanted to be able to share like news about interesting events that were taking place that she thought travelers would love to hear. But obviously there's no place to do that on a partic- on an individual listing page. The other example was that she wanted to be able to share her property's address. And obviously, I'm not saying everyone is going to want to be able to share their property's address, but she felt a little bit limited in that she was uh, absolutely not permitted to do that. And in her particular case, she had a client who went ahead and somehow figured out how to do a Google Street View search on their own and found her property, ended up thinking it was gorgeous and located properly and booked it for an entire month. So she's brilliant. She's got a, break, a great spirit about her. She's 66 years old. She is looking into all these new technologies. And, and I think that the most compelling thing about the story is that she's not looking to ditch Airbnb. I don't think that's the, the, the point of the article. She still loves using it. She still feels like the guests are great. She feels like um, the payment platform at a mere 3% allows not only her uh, a peace of mind and a lot less heavy lifting, but also her guests, they feel comfortable in using this streamlined payment gateway. Um, but she still feels like she'd like to be able to build out her marketing portfolio a little bit better. She'd like to diversify. She'd like to uh, be able to convey her personality and all these things that make her very unique to potential travelers, thus giving her property significant leg up on competition, and she simply didn't feel like she was able to do that um, on the Airbnb platform. So I think this very balanced look um, is not something that anyone, whether you're an extreme uh, independent vacation rental owner or the executives at Airbnb, could argue with, quite simply because owners and managers and hosts want to give their property the best chance at success as it possibly can. And if that means building out your brand a little bit, in, in Cece's case, she's not getting traffic, too much traffic to her website yet, but people are Googling her name or her um, property's name. It's called Rose Cottage uh, Studio. They're Googling that after they find her listing. And if you don't have anything that shows up in the rankings outside of one particular listing page, you're at a disadvantage. And if you can only imagine if you have... an an additional ranking in that, uh, Google search, that's your own website. Or if you've got uh, a blog or if you've got a website that's recommending you, or if you've got a magazine that's featured you, all these things go into building your reputation. Uh, and that gives you a significantly more, uh, profound level of trust on behalf of the traveler than someone who has this one dimensional, you know, component of their marketing portfolio.
1: Yeah. Wonderfully put. And uh, the, the other thing is that uh, that, that got me was um, the actual website itself. I and mean, you said it is it is a beautiful website and it's built on Squarespace.
0: Yeah. Squarespace is, is um, I mean, one of the biggest small, uh, well, it's, it's one of the biggest website builders period, mm-hmm. but it kind of caters towards Individuals, small business owners. She went ahead and used it. I think it was like eight dollars a month, or maybe yeah. eighteen dollars a month. Uh, and I immediately got a, got contacted by Squarespace, which is really cool. And they said we noticed a gigantic opportunity here for independent owners and managers who want to be able to throw up a website like CC did overnight, literally in like an afternoon. Uh, and we'd like to offer all vacation rental owners and managers in your. Uh, blog, uh, a 10% discount. So I thought that was really cool. Nice little like cross promotion. So in the comments section is the code that you can use to get started there.
1: Well, I'll put a, a link obviously to your blog post on,
0: or actually the- we could even share that, uh, that, that code on your site. So they don't even have to leave.
1: Well, either way I'll put ai want to put a, a link to the blog post anyway, but I will definitely put a link to that, um, that offer as well. Then that would be terrific.
0: And I've got a question for you, Heather, yes. on, on that same subject. Um, in the comments section, a, a, a theme popped up, which I've, I've been thinking about ever since I published it yesterday. And that is that, um, and I could read you the actual quote itself, but it's basically arguing that most Airbnb hosts, and this, Heather, may be very different from uh, VRBO hosts or uh, HomeAway hosts, um, but the argument from Evelyn, who's also a member of the Inner Circle, who I love, was that for most Airbnb hosts, getting started um, was very much just a way to make ends meet to begin with. And she said, if you um, can kind of, I can read it right here. She said, well, you have to remember is that hosts are making ends meet. It's part time job. Or it's the part-time job or that bartending job you had at college. They, uh, then they start liking life, guests, and money. It's hard for many to imagine making their living hosting. And then it becomes a job and the mindset shifts. So I was a little bit concerned about that theme, about people seeing this as a part-time job, seeing this as a side project, seeing this as a hobby, uh, particularly when it begins dipping into people's hard-earned vacation money. And the example that Evelyn used about a, a part-time job or a bartender, the difference I see there is that if you're, if you're going out to a restaurant and you've got a part-time waiter who's making ends meet through college, you're not really going to be too concerned if your hamburger arrives 20 minutes late or if they get the order wrong because, heck, it's a $20 meal. But if you're going to and let's use the restaurant analogy, a fancy restaurant that's $200 per person and you're bringing eight of your friends and it just so happens that taking care of you that night is a part-time student um, who is maybe making the traditional errors that a p- part-time <laughs> college kid would make at a fancy restaurant, would you then be concerned? Would you, have, uh, um, would you be frustrated? And I think that you would be. I think that... When you get into these sums of money that are not insignificant, I mean, they're competing with hotel rooms. My question for you is, where is that line between hobbyist and and entrepreneur or business professional? I'm not suggesting that someone who's doing this casually cannot do it professionally. Um, But what I am suggesting is, as the industry evolves, um, where do you feel that that hobby sort of lemonade stand to actual business line is crossed.
1: It's an interesting question because it's one, it's one that we're faced here in, and I think we are pretty unique where we are in, in, in the industry because we've been going for so many years and we have many, many owners still out there who are dabbling in it. And, we we're seeing an evolution to owners who are who are being more professional and and we just talk a lot about philosophy of hospitality and it's crossing that line between accepting the money but and then going to the point where you've got to give to get and i honestly don't know where the answer is matt because i deal with this daily and in fact yesterday i had an email from from somebody who had it, it was just a, it was a plea saying we have arrived on a two-week vacation, and we spent nearly four thousand dollars for this two-week vacation, and the place is an absolute disaster. It hasn't been cleaned for, was well, she said, for, for years, but you know that there's, there's a little bit of um, a, a lot of emotion in there, and and she said and the owner just does not care and And that is is it's just something we're dealing with on a on a day to day basis, but I am seeing this evolution of new owners who are coming coming in and recognizing that it is more of a business. It's not just a little bit of pin money on the side; they have to give to get but I don't know when they get that um, that flash of inspiration that that's what they have to do. And I think it's probably a lot of it comes down to reviewing and, and that review process. And I have, yeah, I- I have some issues with the, old, the, the whole Airbnb review process because I, I think um, there's a lot of, of honest reviews are taken away because people don't want to leave an honest review because they'll get perhaps a, a negative review in return. Um, but in general, it's we we've seen a change since there have been more reviews. That's for sure.
0: And I have to think that we're going to start to see a lot more um, little clashes around this exact same theme. And I just want to reiterate. And Evelyn called me out very uh, honestly and openly, and I and she said, unless it's seen as a full-time business, we part-time hosts don't offer an amazing experience in your eyes. And that's not true. I'm really trying to build an umbrella here, an overarching theme of what does a successful vacation rental host look like? What does that profile look like in terms of behaviors and characteristics and the way that they run their business? Um, Because that will directly. Um, correlate in one way or another with the experience that the guest has. And I have to think that as more and more travelers hear about Airbnb and try it for the first time, expectations will increase. And I have to think that as more and more vacation rental owners or managers or hosts in the case of Airbnb get into the market because they've heard it's so easy, um, there will be some very significant sort of discordance, if that's even a word, mm-hmm. uh, between the expectations and the reality that they're receiving. I have to think that in this early time in our industry, we're going to begin seeing a lot more of the examples like Donna shared in which uh, during the Obama, Obama's first inauguration in DC, someone was renting out like basically their college dorm at $100 a night, but it was like the, the most disgusting thing yeah. ever. They successfully did it, surely because you know someone was willing to pay that money. I think these are going to be questions that we're going to have to keep asking over and over and over again as the industry evolves, um, if not only to help travelers sort of recalibrate their expectations, but perhaps more importantly, to allow owners to really know what it takes. And if you're not interested in building a true business, Keep it at something very limited and don't begin, um, you know, trying to grow. And, if, and that might be entirely uh, feasible for a lot of people. Like, like um, eh, Evelyn said, she said, I will not become rich out of Airbnb. She says, like, that's the biggest, minds, the biggest mindset of hosting on Airbnb. She didn't buy the house thinking she wanted a vacation rental in New York. It's her actual home. And that's a significantly different sort of description, at least in my eyes, than what we see of VRBO and Homeway owners, no?
1: I, I don't know. You know, I mean, to me, and this is something I say to, to you know, every time an owner comes to us and says, I'm, I'm interested in renting out my property. Uh, uh, my mantra is, it doesn't matter if you're renting out for one weekend a year or you're renting out for the whole year. The moment you start accepting payments, for that accommodation you have become a provider to the travel industry it's you have you have made that change it's not just a room in your house it's not you're not just renting out your your shack for for a weekend for for an event that's in the area you're a provider to the travel industry and it brings with it a ton of responsibility and just like what you said i think what you were just saying If you're not willing to accept that responsibility, don't go
0: on. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's making the line very clear. I like that. Um, There's definitely going to be people who say, okay, what does that mean? If I want to rent out my room for $45 a night, I don't have the resources to be able to do, you know, what someone who's running a business of $300 a night rental at the beach might be able to afford. Like, what do you want me to do? You want,
1: you know, I I know what, well, you know, I'm getting excited and I just, I just knocked the microphone off. Um, <laughs> it, it's clean. That, that to me, it's clean, it's tidy, it's neat, it's welcoming. It doesn't cost anything to write a personal note of welcome. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it costs very little to make a place look clean. And mm-hmm. it, it really costs very little to make a bed look nice you know it's it's a matter of saying if i was going on vacation and if i was renting somewhere i mean I'm, i'll happily go to a motel 6 um on occasion and i'll i'll just as happily go to a to a, a boutique hotel but i expect the same standards of cleanliness in both i expect to have a friendly face when i walk in there are things that are standard right across this industry regardless of whether you've got the tiniest little place i mean we have we have tiny, tiny little rustic cabins that that rent for five hundred dollars a week and and they some of them can be more far more welcoming than mm-hmm. than the big seven thousand dollar a week places because it's yeah. it's down to the it, it's it's the the emotion that's coming from the owner they're welcoming they want this they want to welcome travelers if you don't want to welcome a traveler don't do it
0: yeah and if you want to welcome a traveler if you love doing this why would you not want to grow and make more money that would be my next question and if you do want to grow and make more money why wouldn't you begin diversifying your marketing portfolio mm. This is just like holistic questions that i keep asking mm-hmm. myself out loud sitting here at my desk and i don't know the answers but hopefully as the industry evolves they'll become more clear
1: well this, this all goes back to margaret mead doesn't it <laughs>
0: There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matt, that's been, you know, I know we come, we're coming to the end now. You've, um, you've, this conversation has been terrific as ever. What else do you want to tell all these wonderful listeners out there?
0: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually off to meet with a young El Salvadorian gentleman. He's a, he's a student at Yale and he's studying gang interventions in El Salvador, which is a very gigantic challenge. Um, And he has taught me that asking questions and having important conversations about challenging subjects is the first step in getting anywhere. You must identify these different perspectives that are coming from all different angles and have tons of different implications in order to get anywhere. Um, So I would just encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast that has any kind of feelings on uh, that big question that we were kind of getting at. Um, to share it in the comments section below just because I think that kind of dialogue is absolutely essential to the industry as it evolves. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of spaces online where um, sort of people like you and me and everyone who's listening can respectfully trade that kind of thoughts back and forth without, you know, rants or whatever. So if you're listening to this and you've got a feeling one way or another, I would love to read the comments in the comment section. Is that okay, Heather?
1: That's absolutely great. I shall make sure there is space down there for you. Perfect. Matt, thank you so much. Love our conversations. We'll be talking again very soon, I know.
0: Okay, Heather, talk soon.
1: Thanks, Matt. Great job, Matt. Thank you so much. Um, Always an absolute pleasure to have these conversations with him. And, uh, you know, I sometimes think maybe once a month is, is just not enough, but I've, uh, I've got so many people I, I want to interview as well. So we've got to fit them all in. So hope you enjoyed that. I really, we, Matt and I would really love you to, to go into the comment section. Let us know what you think about, um, what we were discussing today, particularly that, uh, that last question, That Matt was um, asking of me, and really, you need to go to the blog post he wrote about Airbnb hosts and just read through the comments. And as he said, there's a little bit of a theme there that's that's developing, talking about you know whether you know what is what is professionalism in this industry. Do, Do does somebody who's just renting out a room in their in their home? need to be as professional? And what does professional mean anyway? So we'd love to hear your comments. That would be amazing if you would jump on in there and, um, and let us know what you think. And of course, Matt would, um, will, will come in and uh, respond to those as well. So uh, as ever, you know, I'm always going to say it, just pop down to the iTunes link on the uh, show notes at cottageblogger.com forward slash VRS088 and, um, and leave us a, uh, a review if you would. Well, it's always great to hear what you're thinking about the show and, um, yep, send me your comments to heather at cottageblogger.com if you want, uh, if you want to share something directly with me, I can't wait to hear from you. So for now, I am going to, uh, Head out and enjoy some of this wonderful sunshine. And I'll look forward to being with you again very, very soon.
0: This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over. But don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.